ready to talk sports with one of the leading sports journalists of today? Welcome to All Around Sports with John Inglesby. John's years of experience as a journalist has allowed him to net exclusive interviews with the top players, former players, commissioners, and owners. John and his guests are ready to give you the straight word when it comes to sports. Now, let's talk all around sports. Here's your host, John Inglesby. Voice America, welcome to the 52nd ever one-year anniversary show of All Around Sports, where each Friday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time, we broadcast live from Boston to go all around the world of sports for one hour to discuss what happened this week and what's coming up for the weekend. To join the show, the call-in number is 1-888-346-9144, or you can email me at iir at comcast.net, which comes to me through my website at www.iirsports.com. Well, it's been a memorable first year here at voiceamerica.com. And to commemorate our first anniversary during yet another wild week in sports, I will give you not only my highlights, lowlights, and bizarre news items from this past week, but will also give them to you for this past year. In 15 minutes... I will report on my event of the week, which was attending the WNBA draft from Connecticut Sun headquarters. And in a half hour, we will be joined by our weekly call-in expert, Barry Rubenstein of the New York Post. Well, my highlight of the week was the opening round of the Stanley Cup playoffs, which was absolutely spectacular, must-see TV. And... The highlight of the playoffs, of course, has been the uh, contentious, to use a a plate mild word, uh, series between the Pittsburgh Penguins and the uh, the Philadelphia Flyers. It has been unlike most anything we've ever seen in recent years. Uh, Fights galore, uh, cheap shots, and... Just everything under the sun, record number of goals scored. Uh, the Flyers, I think, have scored 30 goals against former Stanley Cup winner uh, Marc-Andre Fleury. Uh, it has just been off the charts with superstars performing. Claude Giroux has been setting records. Uh, it has taken this Pennsylvania rivalry to new and uncharted waters uh, growing up in central Pennsylvania uh, two hours east of Pittsburgh, five hours west of Philadelphia. I am well familiar of the overall Philadelphia-Pittsburgh rivalry, but it is reaching uh, proportions never before seen in that state. And uh, so it has really just been uh, something to behold, and it's just one of eight series going on in the first round, many of which are just uh, stunning to say the least. Uh, Vancouver, Los Angeles Kings has been incredible. Uh, the, the best record uh, in the NHL this year was Vancouver. And, of course, uh, got their hands full, needless to say, as uh, trailing 3-0 with, uh, behind the Los Angeles Kings. And they've just uh, had their hands full, to say the least. Shocking there. The Capitals and the Bruins, uh, after two low-scoring first two games, uh, really picking up steam. And uh, the rest of the series is, are, again, just uh, all must-see TV from Detroit, Nashville, right on through to uh, 
to the Rangers and Ottawa. Great stuff. It is the best reality television going today and uh, far and away the highlight of the week. My highlight of the year, sticking with hockey, is the Boston Bruins winning the Stanley Cup. Uh, being based up here in Boston, it was a, a joyous two-month ride. Uh, it coincided with the start of all-around sports. Last April, uh, literally my first show was at the very beginning of the NHL playoffs last year. The Bruins had gone 39 years without winning a Stanley Cup. The hunger up here was palpable. The fan base up in Boston is incredible and passionate. And it was just a wonderful two-month ride featuring uh, Game 7s, overtimes, Incredible series against the Vancouver Canucks, so just uh, for the finals, uh, where the Bruins won Game 7 on the road in Vancouver, followed, of course, by the now-famous riots in the streets of Vancouver. So it was just, again, an incredible ride. It started with beating the Canadians. Always, uh, always again, a good thing up in Boston and a passionate rivalry in and of itself. Went on to uh, payback, uh, where they swept the Flyers after... Uh, losing a 3-0 lead and 3-0 lead in Game 7 to the Flyers the year before. Uh, Then on to the Tampa Bay Lightning, which was an electric seven-game series, the seventh game being an absolute classic with uh, no penalties being called. Um, Last week, you'll remember, we covered uh, the Bruins practice where Nathan Horton, the star of last year's playoff with two Game 7 winning goals, uh, out for this entire postseason. And it looks like it took the Bruins a little while to get started uh, against the Capitals in the first two games. But it looks like in Game 3, they got it going again. And uh, so, again, my highlight of the year doing this show was clearly the Boston Bruins winning the Stanley Cup. My low light of the week, sticking with hockey, is uh, back to the Penguins-Flyers series with Sidney Crosby. Uh, basically acting like a punk. We've all been hearing whispers, especially recently, that Sidney Crosby is not all that he's made up to be, the Penguin superstar, and that he is, in fact, a little bit dirty at maximum, uh, uh, annoying at minimum, and we all saw it uh, on Sunday with what I consider just the punky of punk moves where he basically helped ignite that just game-long melee, which is really what it was. It was a a fight surrounded by a hockey game rather than a hockey game containing some fights when he just, uh, when Claude Giroux was bending down to pick up his glove, Crosby, like a little child, just sort of poked a stick out, knocked the glove away. Uh, Very irritating and annoying and just, again, childish. Couldn't believe he did it. And that, for me, confirmed all the whispers. He and Giroux, of course, got into it. Something you rarely see, two two superstars fighting in the Stanley Cup playoff game. But they were going at it, and there was a whole lot more going at it that day, too. So uh, quite the scene, to say the least, uh, a game that will live uh, forever in many ways. And the suspensions have been handed down, and they're very, very stiff. My low light of the year is... Penn State child sex abuse scandal, uh, as I referenced just a few minutes ago. I grew up in Pennsylvania, so it's been uh, appalling to watch. 
it basically ended uh, Joe Paterno's illustrious career, and uh, ultimately uh, he died, as we all know, back in uh, late January, and it's just the worst sports story ever. Not the low light of the year, uh, the low light of all time, as far as I'm concerned. My bizarre story of the week is the Bobby Valentine, Kevin Euclid dust-up up here in Boston. Everybody knew it was coming with Bobby Valentine, but for it to come on the uh, late the night before the Boston Marathon Patriots Day game, which starts at 11 a.m., and to have everybody dealing with his comments, which first aired at 11.30 at night on Sunday night. So basically everybody woke up to a 90-degree April day in Boston for the Boston Marathon. Again, 11 a.m. starting time for the Red Sox, only to find out uh, what Bobby V. had said, where he basically questioned his Euclid's emotional and uh, physical approach to the game. Shocking. And uh, and it's gone on since then, so it's going to be a fascinating year. And that leads into my bizarre story of the year, which was the Red Sox collapse in September the worst collapse in the history of Major League Baseball. It was epic. People still have not gotten over it. Um, it's almost like last year has continued into this year, particularly with Valentine's comments on Sunday night and the apology that he issued on Monday, which was equally bizarre. Um, the Red Sox collapse, of course, will forever be remembered as a uh, Pitchers in the clubhouse uh, drinking beer and eating chicken during games. They were not pitching. And the fallout has been tremendous, again, still being felt both locally and and nationally on the baseball scene. And uh, so, again, unforgettable. And it just seems like last year has strung right into this year where the Red Sox are concerned. So should be interesting. Uh, And, you know, I just want to take a quick moment to talk about some of the things we've done this past year. First of all, we uh, uh, first month of the show, we broadcast live from New York City when I was down for the NFL draft that Thursday and Friday. I will be down there again next week. So I will be broadcasting next, uh, next week's show live from New York City. I'll be attending the draft Thursday and Friday nights with my show scheduled and sandwiched in between on Friday. And another highlight, uh, sticking with the NFL, which is really uh, a large focus of our coverage here at All Around Sports, uh, was broadcasting live from Radio Row in Indianapolis the Friday before the Super Bowl. Uh, Went to the NFL owners meetings a couple weeks ago down in Palm Beach, Florida, so you can expect a lot more of that coverage uh, as we move forward. And some of the other highlights of the year were attending and covering um, the national champion Kentucky Wildcats uh, down at Mohegan Sun in Connecticut in November, uh, where I've also covered a couple games of the Connecticut Sun, uh, of the WNBA, uh, covered Manchester United and World Cup champions Spain in soccer, covered the Deutsche Bank Championship and the Children's Miracle Network uh, on the PGA Tour in golf, Covered and attended uh, the Denver Broncos and T- at the height of Tebow time, the playoff game up here in New England, uh, followed by the AFC Championship game against the Ravens with the memorable miss by Billy Cundiff to send the Patriots to the Super Bowl. 
Also in January, went to the U.S. Army All-American Bowl down in San Antonio, Texas. Just a few weeks back, covered NCAA March Madness, Eastern Regionals up here in Boston. Last summer, covered the Major League Lacrosse game up in Boston. Attended and covered Big East Football Media Day in Providence, Rhode Island. Went to Matt Light and Jared Mayo's foundation events this year. Attended a number of sports business journal conferences, in addition to countless Boston Bruins, New England Patriots, and Boston Celtics locker room practices and press conferences. We had call-in guests from San Francisco 49ers owner John York and uh, Coach Mike Leach, formerly Texas Tech, now Washington State, uh, right on through to journalists like Miami Heat TV voice Eric Reed and A.P. Stedham of Bama Magazine, who covered the uh, Alabama National Championship year. And now... As my former co-host, Lemont Williams from Outside the Huddle, likes to say, it's time to pay some bills, so let's take our break. And next, I will report on my event of the week, the WNBA Draft from Connecticut Sun headquarters on Monday. Be sure to friend us on Facebook. You can do it right now. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for us at keyword Voice America. Are you a real sports fan? Get ready to talk football and anything else sports with Kwame Lasseter, formerly with the Arizona Cardinals, San Diego Chargers, and St. Louis Rams. Kwame's got the experience, so he's prepared to talk sports with you every week on Kwame Lasseter's Sports Talk. It's on the Voice America Sports Network every Tuesday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time, noon Eastern Time. Get ready for unpredictable fun and sometimes a sarcastic look at the world of sports. That's Kwame Lasseter's Sports Talk on the Voice America Sports Network. Your internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. You're listening to All Around Sports with your host, John Inglesby. Become a part of today's show by calling 1 888 346 9144. That's 1 888 346 9144. Or by sending an email to IIR at Comcast.net. Now, back to the show. Voice America, welcome back to segment two of All Around Sports. And to join the show, the call-in number is 1-888-346-9144, or you can email me at iir at comcast.net. And my event of the week that I covered was the WNBA draft from Connecticut Sun headquarters at Mohegan Sun Arena on Monday. Patriots Day. So while the Boston Marathon was being running up here, I was up here in Boston. I was down in Connecticut. It was uh, a great event. It was telecast live on ESPN, uh, ESPN2 and ESPNU, I believe. And uh, and just again, uh, excellent event watching, uh, you know, the Sun executives uh, in the nearby war room getting ready for to make their picks and uh it was an interesting day and you know when you play your games at a casino you know how to take a gamble and the sun took a big one with their first pick which was the ninth overall when they selected aston dabo a six foot eight 19 year old center from mali she averaged a dozen each in points and rebounds in a french league and just last month she had a season high 28 points and 23 rebounds in a game. 
So, wow. You can see why the Sun took her. Uh, she will not be on the team this year. The Sun have a full and talented roster. She will likely be joining the team for next year. Uh, she played at the 2010 World Championships before winning a bronze medal at the uh, 2011 African Championships. And, uh, again, a lot of upside there. And here is what Coach uh, Mike Thibault had to say about the draft overall. Once we kind of got to the end of last week, we had kind of decided unless we could make a trade to move up into the first couple picks, which we tried to do, um, that uh, we didn't think that uh, it, was a, it was an even 50-50 bet that our first round pick at nine would make our team. And I just didn't really want to waste the pick right now, not knowing. So uh, we had a list of three uh, overseas players that we really liked. Uh, we intended to take one of them actually in the second round and, and got beat to it. So uh, L.A. at the 13th pick took the kid we were going to take at 21. Um, but, uh, you know, we're, we're kind of betting just down the road to see if somebody uh, with size uh, can come in and help our team. Um, Dabo is, you know, obviously 6'8 and long. Um, she's moving up to the French uh, top division next year. Um, her national team commitments are minimal, uh, which, you know, the biggest stumbling block a lot of times for taking an overseas player. Uh, she's not going to come this summer. Uh, she will come in a year or two. Um, you know, my training is kind of looking at it the NBA way. Is it, you know, wait for a player to get a little older, a little more mature, come when they're more physically ready and uh, I just didn't want to take the gamble on wasting the pick this year um, so you know we're looking at we're looking at somebody you know we, we really don't know how it's going to turn out but it, it's got a huge upside if it works uh, you're talking about our posts in our league getting bigger and bigger they're going to get even bigger next year uh, so you know to take a chance on a 19 year old player that's six eight uh, and has gotten better each of the last three years was, a, I, I thought, a good gamble for us. Uh, obviously, in the second round, we thought we, we would try to take the girl uh, from Sweden, Farhia Abdi. Uh, she was not there. Um, so we thought that at least uh, in training camp, uh, we wanted competition in the post. Uh, you know, Shea Shagog is, is an uh, athletic big post who runs the floor. Uh, will be great competition for our post. And you never know. I mean, she, you know, she comes in and plays well. Uh, we'll have to rethink our roster. Uh, but you know, very rarely do you get in the second round uh, a chance to get a kid with that athleticism and that size. So, um, you know, that was our biggest thought going into it. And that was Coach Mike Thibault talking about uh, the draft overall for uh, the Connecticut Sun this past Monday. And here's what Coach Thibault had to say more specifically about the Suns' first pick overall and the ninth pick of the draft, Austin Davo. Warm up, I watched her play two minutes in a game at the World Championships oh, okay. two years ago, but she was the youngest player on their team. Uh -huh. um, I, you know, and, and basically, it's, it's a gamble. I mean, I, you know, I haven't sat there in a the gym and watched her play a bunch. It's, but I looked at the draft board and said, they really aren't better than what we have necessarily. And our roster, you know, it's kind of funny. I mean, it, you know, our roster is, is basically set. I mean, unless there's an upset in camp, we worked so hard the last couple of years to, to redo our roster and be young and, and do all those things and let them grow up and mature. And, you know, we all saw the progress of it last year going, you know, up to 21 wins. And I think we can get more if we play the way we're supposed to. Um, 
but I didn't really want to undo that either. Um, I, I, I like the idea of starting training camp knowing kind of what we're doing. And, and instead of getting more young players, we went out and got, you know, Misty Mims and, and uh, Sidney Spencer to kind of be designated role players off the bench. And I thought that served our needs better than a young player in the draft. And with the second round pick and the 21st overall pick of the draft, the Sun selected Shea Chagog from the University of North Carolina, a six foot five inch center, and a second team all ACC selection as a senior. And she, where she averaged a career high of 15 and a half points and nearly seven rebounds during the recently completed 2011 2012 season. And uh, here's what University of North Carolina coach Sylvia Hatchell had to say about Shea Chagog uh, when we spoke to her immediately following uh, Shea's pick by the Connecticut Sun in the second round of the draft. Ready. Uh, you know, she, um, I mean, if our, you know, we had a lot of injuries this year, and our team won 20 games, but you know, it wasn't a typical North Carolina year. You know, if our team had done a little better, I think Shea would have been drafted higher, but she, um, she had to carry us a lot, and she did. You know, she led the she led the league in uh, scoring, you know, majority of the season until probably the last few weeks. But she led the ACC in scoring, and uh, you know, she was a warrior the whole year. Uh, I tell you, this kid has improved so much it's unbelievable. Cause uh, when she came in, I mean, you know, she was uh, big, six five, but you know, not in real good shape. But this kid made an unbelievable commitment, and she got her body in really good shape. Uh, you know, she was playing, you know, 30, 30, probably 35 minutes a game. And, uh, you know, just really, really worked hard from her junior to her senior year uh, on her moves around the basket and getting stronger. And uh, just overall, her commitment was just incredible because if you look from what she went her junior year to her senior year, it's, it's pretty incredible, really, you know, considering we graduated three kids that had scored 1,500 points. And like I said, Shay had to pretty much carry us, and she did. Uh, she's very competitive. Very physical, and uh, you know, but she's gonna she's gonna get better, and uh, you know, so uh, I think I think it's a really good pick. I think you're gonna be uh, pleasantly uh, surprised at uh, how how good she's gonna be and how tough she'll be. Where do you think she's made the most strides from last year to this year? Well, um, just her overall. Well, two things. First, her. Uh, fitness level has, you know, I mean, she, she was in great shape this year, uh, and, and just her, her conditioning, her fitness level, and that was from her commitment, but then also uh, her scoring abilities, uh, not just around the basket, but, you know, her face-ups as well, but around the basket, I mean, she was just really, really tough, and, uh, you know, she was just really hard, I mean, even, even many times, I mean, she was getting lots of contact, very, very physical, and, and you know, she just kept on just taking people to the basket and uh, so I just think her confidence level improved tremendously because she was in such you know better her, her, her body was in such good shape and I think her confidence level just rose and then from there on you know she just uh, polished her game with her her, her skills and uh, her, all her moves around the basket but uh, you know from one year to the next she probably improved probably about as much as any any player we've ever had and uh you know i think she's going to continue to get, get uh, better and better because she's a, she's tough coach do you think her strongest contribution in the WNBA will be 
On the offensive or defensive side of the ball? Uh, I think both. I mean, I, I think uh, offensively she can score. You know, she's got a good jump hook uh, inside that's hard to defend. And then, uh, you know, her moves to the basket. Uh, and, you know, I just, uh, uh, I think so many times her jump hook, you know, was really good. But, uh, you know, she was she was getting fouled lots of times on that, uh, on her jump hook. But, uh, you know, she could finish things off, and it, that was really hard to block. But, you know, overall, she just worked so hard on developing her skills. But, but inside, anytime you get a kid that's 6'5", and mobile, you know, they're, they're, they intimidate and their presence on defense, you know, makes a major difference. And, you know, like I said, Shea made such a strong commitment to getting uh, in shape and, you know, running the floor. I mean, it, it was just amazing, you know, to, to see as the years moved along, but especially from her junior to her senior year, she just went to a completely different level with her fitness and that just made her overall game uh, just elevate, to, you know, Oh, I mean, tremendously. And and that's why her numbers, you know, if you look at her numbers, her junior year, I mean, yeah, her senior year, I mean, like I said, she led the league and, and scoring, uh, you know, until the last few weeks. And I think she ended up one of the top three or four in the ACC in scoring. And then, you know, her, rebound, her rebounding numbers were, were good throughout the year. And she'll continue to get better and better, you know, uh, as as time moves along. But you know, she's very committed, very dedicated, uh, a competitor, a warrior, and uh, I just, I mean, she just needs an opportunity. So, you know, I, I was excited. I'm excited for her. And she just came in here, so I mean, I'll be glad to answer any other questions you have. But she just walked in the room here. I know you're probably anxious to talk to her. And as you heard at the end of Coach Sylvia Hatchell's. Uh, discussing with the media, uh, she was able to track down Shay Shagog herself. And here is what Shay had to say about uh, being selected second by the Connecticut Sun uh, after playing her college career at the University of North Carolina. That's what they took you. Um, I was playing pickup, and my teammates all started screaming, and I didn't know what they were talking about. But um, yeah, we were out there playing pickup at the time. Did you get a sense that Connecticut was one of the teams that had an interest in you? Did I get what? A sense that Connecticut was a team that, that had an interest in drafting you? Um, I mean, I was pretty much interested in any team. I mean, the WNBA is a great league, and um, I was just anxious to – it's just a great opportunity to play at this level. It's going to be very hard to make rosters this year. There's not a lot of teams that have much flexibility. Is that daunting to you in any way? Um. Not really daunting. Um, I mean, coaches reiterated that it's going to be tough to make WNBA rosters, especially because of everybody who's already in the league and the rookies coming in. But um, I think playing hard and playing my own game is all I can show them. What do you think you'll, you'll add to what, what are your strengths, you think, when you get to the next level? What will you be able to do? Um, really just bring a lot of uh, energy. And um, I think being a running post player, um, can help me a lot too. Shay, do you know much about Connecticut Sun and or Connecticut itself? Um, not much. No. How excited are you to face off against Tina Charles again? <laughs> I'm really excited. I mean, I really enjoyed playing with her, playing against her my first two years of college, and it'll be uh, really exciting to play against her at camp and hopefully play with her. Any questions, 
Awesome. Thank Shay, you. thanks Thank so you. much. Thank you. Right. Thank you. And that was Connecticut Sun's second round pick, Shay Shigog, talking about uh, her upcoming career, hopefully, with the, uh, with the Connecticut Sun. And with the draft being connect conducted in Connecticut, there is, of course, the strong UConn presence of the legendary women's program there. And their star uh, player from this year was, of course, Tiffany Hayes. And Tiffany was uh, the second pick of the second round, 14th overall, uh, taken by the Atlanta Dream after, uh, again, after having a stellar career at UConn. And so here's what Tiffany Hayes had to say about her selection uh, by the Atlanta Dream and playing with the likes of uh, Angel McCautry down in Atlanta. Uh, definitely. I was, I was talking to Holly and I was talking to Coach about it, and they, they both definitely said it was a, a good fit for me in Atlanta. So uh, I'm definitely excited about going to play for them. Was he kind of anxious, or did you figure you were going to get your shot somewhere along the line anyway, and it didn't really matter when you got picked? Definitely. Um, didn't matter to me. Uh, all, I, all I need is a shot. Um, and I was definitely anxious. I was anxious, actually, all day. I was never nervous. It was always an anxious feeling with me. Just wanted to know where I was going. What do you like about the way they, they Atlanta plays? Um, they're definitely an up-tempo team. And I think uh, being at Connecticut, that's definitely something uh, you learn how to do is be an up-tempo player. And I think uh, that'll definitely help me in the long run, being, being with Atlanta now. How excited are you to be playing um, just um, in the next state over from where you grew up? Oh, that's like one of the most exciting things about going to Atlanta. I was definitely hoping that that, that was, was where I was being picked. Um, and I really didn't think I would get, get to go there, but um, it's definitely a blessing to be able to be there and be co so close to home. Tip, every, everybody's talked about you through your career as if being a complimentary player was a negative thing, and you've always really embraced it. Can you just talk about going somewhere where you can play alongside someone like Angel and, and if you're that uh, a good spot for you because you are that type of role player? That's definitely one of the reasons why it's a great spot for me. I, I'm definitely a complimentary player uh, ever since stepping onto Storrs campus. I, I Starting out my freshman year, I was one of those role players, a complimentary player to all those great players that were ahead of me. So now it just feels like I'm going home doing the same thing uh, for a great team and a great player like Angel. You said it was an anxious day. What, what were your emotions after the draft pick was announced and then you found out you were going to go to Atlanta? Um, I was very excited, like I said, I was happy, um, and I was definitely just happy for my family, because I know that's probably something that they wanted for me to be somewhere close, so, um, mostly excited, an excited feeling for me. Yeah, they acquired uh, Keisha Swanye in the offseason, so, uh, she's going to be in camp there. Uh, do you know any other players on that team except for McCautry? Um, besides those two, um, I, I really don't, I can't name, I can't name one. Was it, was it important for you to be a first-round draft pick, or was it more important just to get in a, a good situation for you, Tiff? I think it's definitely more important for a good situation. Um, most of those teams in the, uh, that had picks in the first round, they, they are already stacked, so it's going to be very hard to make one of their rosters. But for me, uh, it's a good situation, and hopefully I can um, build, build a steady home here in Atlanta. Kalina Green was in this situation a few years ago. They thought she'd be a first-round pick, and she wasn't. And it turned out pretty well for her. Are you hoping the same thing kind of happens for you? 
of course. Um, I, I said earlier that um, I could definitely look to uh, Helena for advice uh, because she went through the exact same situation as me. Uh, she turned it into a, a great thing for her. So um, I would definitely be in contact with her very soon after this. Was your family up there with you today? Uh, my mom was, uh, my little brother, and coach was here, and uh, three of my teammates came out. Which teammates, Tiff? Uh, Caroline, Kelly, and Buck, uh, Heather. Okay. What, what was your mom's reaction after the pick was announced? Uh, she was she was happy. Uh, she was always telling me before even before the draft, I would love to you. I would love for you to play with uh, Angel. She's such a great player, and she loved you when you two were in college together. She always told me that she loved how you played. So she was definitely excited about that pick. In practice, you're going to have a chance to guard her on a, on a regular basis. Is that going to be fun for you? Oh, yeah. Uh, brings me back to freshman year. Um, I guarded her um, then, so I'm pretty sure it's definitely going to be a challenge again. But if I have to do it, I'll do it. Tiff, when was it that you really started to believe that you were a WNBA player or started to have hopes that you at some point could be? Um, really, when I embraced uh, my role as a player. I mean, it, it takes a lot for you to uh, be a good player and uh, have to switch over your role to be a role player. And I think once you're um, mature enough to do that, then you're, you're ready for any situation. So April Sykes just got drafted by Los Angeles. Pretty happy for her. Oh, I'm so happy for her. That's great. I know she's excited. All right, Tiff. Thanks Thank a lot. Thank you very much, Tiff. Congratulations. Thank you. Thank you, guys. And once again, that was uh, Tiffany Hayes from UConn, uh, drafted by the Atlanta Dream, the team that ousted the Connecticut Sun in last year's playoffs. And hard to believe, but the Connecticut Sun season starts in less than a month. So now it's time for our break. And joining me next will be our weekly call-in expert, Barry Rubenstein from the New York Post. Find out which guests are being featured this week. Read our network press releases and read the blog posts from your favorite hosts. Go to iradioblog.com today. Powered by the Voice America Talk Radio Network. Do you love sports talk? Can't get enough sports talk? Have we got a show for you. It's about the NFL training camps, Super Bowl previews, a look at the new starting quarterbacks, and weekly key injuries. We'll take your calls and emails right on the air. Former Philadelphia Eagle James Loving is your host, and you never know who'll drop by for a co-host spot or an interview on the spot. Tune in to Loving That Sports Talk with James Loving every Wednesday at noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Sports Channel. The opening kickoff is a beauty. It's a fly ball deep right field. That goes O'Neal. He's at the shot. Got it with 2.8 seconds left to left. I don't care where they put him. This one is out of here. From high school to the pros, we cover everything. Let your voice be heard. Voice America Sports. You're listening to All Around Sports with your host, John Inglesby. Become a part of today's show by calling 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or by sending an email to iir at comcast.net. Now, back to the show. Voice America, welcome back to segment three of All Around Sports. And to join the show, the call-in number is one 888 
346-9144, or you can email me at iir at comcast.net. Well, as you just heard in the previous segment, that was uh, a lot of the, the Connecticut Sun WNBA draft from Monday, and it was a great event and something uh, something we were glad to be able to bring to you. Uh, and, you know, again, just the type of thing that we hope to bring to you again uh, in the coming year. As you know, this is our one-year anniversary, our 52nd ever show, and uh, it really has been quite a year. Uh, I talked in the first segment about some of the highlights, lowlights, and bizarre items of the past year. Uh, and, you know, when I look back on it again, uh, we really got off to a great kickstart with the, uh, the Boston Bruins winning the Stanley Cup. And uh, it was just one of the great runs in postseason history. Again, went on for two months. Uh, one of the highlights of that was, as my loyal listeners remember, we had uh, on three separate occasions during the playoffs, Paul Stewart called in. And uh, Paul was uh, a former player and a former official for the uh, NHL. So he was great. He was a tremendous call-in guest who brought very unique perspective to our, uh, to our highlight of the year. Again, our coverage of the Boston Bruins uh, Stanley Cup run and... With us, with us on the line now is our weekly call-in expert, Barry Rubenstein from the New York Post. And Barry, welcome. It's good to have you on the line joining us on our anniversary show. Yeah, thank you. Well, happy anniversary. Like, like we said last week, we, I think we need, a, we need a cake or something or champagne or, 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 or something like that. But uh, yeah, it's been, it's been a lot of fun. It's been a, it's been a great sports year. And uh, you know, certainly a lot, a, a lot has happened. Um, you know, as you mentioned, uh, you know, from the NHL, you know, the Bruins winning the Stanley Cup to that, uh, you know, that epic uh, rematch of the Super Bowl between the Giants and the Patriots, and, and just all the other things that have that have gone on in sports over the past year. Just, just great, great stories, and and this has really, uh, you know, been a, been a great forum uh, for a lot of these issues in sport on the field. Well, Barry, you've been with us every step along the way, uh, meaning you've called in basically every week throughout the past year, and it's kind of interesting as I was thinking over the past week uh, that little did I know when I uh, began the show a year ago, but this really is the best month of the sport year. Uh, for many, In many ways, this may be the best week or two of the sports year. It's the beginning of the Stanley Cup playoffs, you've got baseball in full swing, you've got the NFL draft, you've got the NBA heading towards their postseason as teams jockey for postseason positioning. And uh, But, again, you know, you and I are totally agree that the best thing in sports is the Stanley Cup playoffs, and uh, they have been more than living up to uh, – Expectations. I used to be uh, October is the best sports month of the year guy, where you had, uh, you know, World Series, NFL in full swing, college football in full swing, as well as uh, uh, NBA and NHL getting their seasons underway. And but I think I've uh, seen the light, and I'm now have fully bought into the fact that April is the best month, and it's due in no small part to the fact that uh, 
I started this show last April, and that's when I realized uh, there's more sports than I could handle. Yeah, you know, it, it, the springtime is a great. Yeah, I, 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 I'm, with, I'm with you in a lot of ways. I do like the the, the fall too. I mean, October is, is is a great time, but yeah, I think you almost have to take a nod to to you know April, May, and June because then you have the the you know the, the Stanley Cup playoffs going on. They start a little bit before the NBA playoffs. Then you have baseball starting up. Uh, you have the Masters, so you do have a lot. I, I think. Uh, I think uh, April, May gives, uh, gives October a run for its money. Yes, and what the best part is, you know, with uh, the opening round is, of course, you know, more is better when it comes especially to NHL. And we have eight series going on uh, all at the same time. So there's two and three games every single night, all of which seem great in their own way. But the series that, you know, we need to talk about, obviously, is uh, the Penguins, and the Flyers. Uh, I watched Sunday's game, uh, and I have trouble remembering a sports event quite like it, ever. I've just never seen a hockey game, let alone a sports event, where it was just nonstop agitation, fighting, and uh, goal scoring, and the crowd was into it down in Philadelphia. It was just great stuff. Yeah. I, I got to tell you, part of it though. I mean, I, I actually was, you know, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm a, I'm a big hockey guy. I've covered it for years. I'm a big fan of the sport. Love the Stanley Cup playoffs. But um, part of me was really, really disgusted by it. Actually, I mean, you know, a lot of the the extracurricular stuff. I mean, some of some of the hits in that game were just were just mind blowing as far as uh, you know, testing the waters of of legality. Certainly, you know, pushing the envelope. Um, and we've seen a lot of nastiness in the in the first round of the Stanley Cup playoffs. But I thought that game Sunday was just, you know, just really, really crossed the line. And you know, I, I think the league is, is, you know, unfortunately, unfortunately, fortunately, and unfortunately, you know, I, I think a lot of people, you know, kind of, you know, pass judgment on hockey until the playoffs start. You know, the casual sports fan, you know, will watch it because playoffs. You know, the, the the diehard fans, you know, will watch it regardless. But you know, for your casual sports fans, I think a lot of them. You know, see what goes on, and they're like, you know, I, I think a lot of people are turned off. I mean, I, I, I joked on uh, Facebook and Twitter, like half jokingly, that, that I wrote that rumor has it that the Flyers and uh, and Penguins were going to go out to sign, uh, you know, Ogie Oglethorpe and these other guys from Slapshot, and that they would need them, you know, to finish out this series. They're going to be out of guys, but uh, yeah, I, I think the NHL does, does, does have some sort of problem here, and you know, and again, some of the uh, inconsistencies from. Uh, from the VP, President Shanahan, as far as handing out uh, crime and you know the punishment for some of these crimes, uh, you know some of these players seems rather inconsistent. So you know it's uh, it's something that continues, it's an issue that continues, and you know it's just uh, it's just unfortunate. I think you know when when the teams get down to playing hockey, you know when they concentrate on hockey, it's great theater. But you know when you have all this other stuff, it uh, it really does tend to take away from it. And uh, you know I think we'd all like to see. You know, more hockey and less, uh, you know, less goonery, less, less of the other things. And Barry, I can totally appreciate what you're saying. I mean, there was certainly, I had an element of disgust as well. Don't get me wrong. But I think more so that, you know, being a journalist and especially doing this show, that, you know, what for me has uh, become paramount in watching and covering sports is that, you know, I'm, all, of course, always looking for the most interesting storyline and uh, unusual and by any standard, even the, you know, 
most pugilistic NHL standard, that was unusual. That was unbelievable. And that's really what it was for me. I'm just sitting there literally in disbelief at what I'm seeing. And, of course, it all started, it seemed. I, I mean, I know there was a lot of stuff going on until then. But, you know, when Sidney Crosby did that little, you know, poking away of Claude Giroux's glove, which was laying on the ice, uh, you know, I've been hearing the whispers in recent weeks about Crosby, not the player, not the person that we that everybody thinks he is. And, boy, that little punk move just told me all I needed to know about Sidney Crosby, that he really is sneaky, childish, antagonistic, whatever. I just thought that was just, uh, you know, so, chi so childish from literally the face of the league. Yeah, and, you know, he, he has come under a lot of fire. That uh, Sidney Crosby and the Penguins have come to, under a lot of fire from, from other teams. Uh, from the media, certainly from uh, from Mike Milbury and NBC, uh, who actually you know, called him out, called him a punk, and uh, you know, which kind of flies in the face of you know your your one of your your top franchises in the league, you know how how you, how you treat them. But you know, uh, you know, kudos for Milbury and the media for you know kind of call, you know calling out what you know what is, what we've seen anyway. I mean, there's no there's no denying that Crosby's a great player, and as you say, the face of the league and great talent, great player. But, you know, there's, a, there's certainly the side to him that people have now seen, whereas before it was just kind of intimated, but now I think people have seen it. You know, and I think the Penguins organization as a whole being called out, you know, by, uh, by, by the Rangers and the Flyers, you know, uh, a few weeks back, uh, separate occasions were pretty much the same thing. Um, you know, I, I, nobody, I mean, you know, uh, I'm not, not trying to tell you the other teams aren't, you know, guiltless here. I mean, you know, one other factor on Sunday last Sunday, which I thought was just really, really awful, awfully played um, in light of the whole situation. You know, right in the middle of all of this, all these uh, balls and, and high sticks and cross checks to the head and, and the scrums on the ice, right in the middle of all of this, uh, the Flyers chose to play a video, uh, a Hulk Hogan video, kind of ex exhorting the fans to, you know, start screaming and get nasty and right in the middle of all this. And I, and I thought that was in very poor taste. Just, you know, it, it, it did. You know, you're trying to diffuse the situation at that point. That's just gasoline on the fire, as far as I'm concerned. So, you know, I, you know, listen, you know, yeah, the Penguins have caught a lot of heat, but, you know, there's, nobody else is blameless either here. So, you know, I, I think the NHL on the whole really has to work on, you know, kind of cleaning up the sack a little bit. And then we've seen, there, we've, we've seen games already in the playoffs that, you know, once teams get all that nonsense out of their system and focus on hockey, it's, it's terrific theater. I mean, it always is. That's why he, the um, Stanley Cup playoffs are always, uh, you know, for me, the postseason, uh, the marquee postseason in the world of sports. I just think they're, you know, when 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 they're when they're dead, when they're focused on just playing, it's terrific. Barry, watching the game live, I heard that Hulk Hogan thing in the background. Clearly, I knew they were playing it on the jumbotron, and I thought it was Hulk Hogan's voice. They weren't showing it on TV, but I couldn't believe it. And on that note. It's time for our break, and Barry will be sticking around for the fourth and final segment coming right up. Find out what's happening on the Voice America Talk Radio Network by keeping up with us on Twitter. You can find us at VoiceAmericaTRN. 
Listen to Sports Talk at the Positive Pub every Monday at 1 p.m. Eastern, 10 a.m. Pacific on the Voice America Sports Channel. Gil Tyree talks to sports newsmakers, playmakers, and story breakers. You, the hardcore, interactive, and novice fan, can join the show via your phone calls and emails. Sample what's good, right, and positive about the world of sports every week. Begin your week in a positive way with Sports Talk from the Positive Pub. Be here every Monday at 10 a.m. Pacific, 1 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Sports Channel. Your internet flagship station for sports. Voice America Sports. You're listening to All Around Sports with your host, John Inglesby. Become a part of today's show by calling 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or by sending an email to iir at comcast.net. Now, back to the show. Voice America, welcome back to the fourth and final segment of All Around Sports. This being our 52nd ever and one-year anniversary show. And here to celebrate, as he always is every week, is Barry Rubenstein from the New York Post. And Barry, we were uh, talking some Stanley Cup hockey postseason. And uh, again, it's been pretty unbelievable. And another thing that's been pretty unbelievable this week is... uh, Bobby Valentine's comments on Kevin Euclid and the firestorm that that has created up here in Boston. Uh, let me quickly describe for you the scene uh, in that, for me personally, I was watching Sunday night when it aired on a local TV station, uh, the interview where he basically questioned Euclid's commitment. Anybody who's watched the Red Sox up close would never question Euclid's commitment. A lot of other things to question, but not that. So I get up bright and early Monday morning, Marathon Monday, 90 degrees, 11 a.m. start time to the Red Sox game, as is tradition, and get in my car, and I head down to Connecticut for the WNBA draft, and the, and I knew the minute I heard that comment, late Sunday night, about 11.30, the minute I heard the Valentine interview, I said, oh, this is trouble. Uh, there's no way you can mistake what he said or spin it in any positive way. And then, lo and behold, uh, you know, it was indeed a firestorm on Monday morning. The sports talk shows were just going crazy, and Euclid came in and challenged Valentine as soon as he got to the park, and Dustin Pedroia had comments, then Valentine apologized, which I found, frankly, very disappointing. If you say it, own it. So just a, a crazy situation, but let me just throw this out at you. The very first thought I had, the minute I heard it, was what's different with Euclid? What's different now than any time previous to his career? And rightly or wrongly, the first thought that popped into my head was the fact that he recently got engaged to Tom Brady's sister, and that is different. I mean, and I, I, I couldn't help but somehow, you know, wonder if in some way maybe his work habits have changed or something or maybe it's just uh he and bobby valentine have not hit it off who knows but that's the way uh, that was the first thought that popped into my head to be honest and truthful here well maybe it has something to do with it i mean you know obviously neither one of us are in the, the red Sox clubhouse you really can see what the uh you know what the difference is with kevin euclid but as far as Bobby P goes, I mean, you know, there's something that we've talked about in the show many times, and some, you know, 
me, uh, you know, my, my experiences, you know, being in the, in the New York market, being very familiar with Bobby Valentine for his time with the Mets. I mean, it's, you know, I, I, I would be, I would have been surprised if we hadn't heard anything, you know, from Bobby Valentine. I mean, you know, as we've spoken about previously, he's a guy that's going to speak his mind. He doesn't care who he speaks. Uh, he did it in New York. He's doing, and I'm, I'm, the only thing I'm surprised about is that, is that so much has happened so quickly in this very young season, uh, with the Red Sox and, and Bobby P, you know, in players' faces, obviously, uh, the fans are going crazy. Um, the Red Sox off, not off to a good start. Uh, I am a little surprised that it didn't take very long for the for the Colton to start stirring in Boston. Uh, if it's going to stir anywhere, it's going to stir in Boston because the fans are so passionate and they they, they hang on every pitch. Uh, you know, last game of the World Series, no matter what the situation. And you know, I I, I, I don't know that that Bobby B you know underestimated that you know when he decided to take this job. I do know that you know he's not going to change who he is, what he says, what he's done. I mean, you know, uh, calling out players. He did that in New York. I mean. Famously, uh, you know, back when the Mets had uh, Todd Hundley as their catcher, and you know, he, he had a pretty, pretty decent career at the Mets. You know, he was uh, a lot, but you know, he also liked to like the park a lot too. And you know, I, I remember Bobby B's comments saying, "Well, you know what? Todd needs to get more sleep." So you know, and that that, that caused a bit of a stir in New York at the time. So this is really no different. Um, you know, he's obviously trying to motivate motivate Kevin Euclid or. You know, maybe they, maybe you're right. Maybe they just haven't. Maybe there's been a little friction that you know on, on the inside that that we haven't seen. But um, you know, it's, it's just going to continue. I mean, Bobby is not. You know, and as you say, yeah, I'm with you. A little disappointed that he he apologized for his comments. Uh, but you know, if you're if, if 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 that's the way you come in, if you're if you're going to say what you want, do what you want, do it your way. You know, that this is all to be expected. Like I said, the only surprise here is that. You know, I thought it might take totally a Memorial Day for some fireworks to happen, but uh, you know, we we start we start the fireworks a little early in Boston, and I, I think there's going to be more before it's decided. Well, Barry, you have a unique perspective given your New York and Boston connections on Bobby Valentine, but I was frankly, you know, I was surprised when I heard the comments about Euclidus of all players, but more importantly, I was surprised when Bobby Valentine apologized. I thought it was just a week. Apology, and by that I mean weak in like the reasoning. It just was nonsense. It didn't make any sense. So, the one thing you can't recreate is you know he can he he managed in New York. He's media savvy given his ESPN history, but you can't know what the reaction is going to be until it happens. And I don't think he had any clue what he was in for up here in Boston until it actually happened. And again, you know, to have an interview air at like 11.30, quarter to midnight on a Sunday night, uh, leading into what is, you know, a highly unusual 11 a.m. start time to a game, meaning they're arriving at the clubhouse at the earliest time they will all year. And then to have this, you know, just accompanying it uh, at what was like 7, 8 in the morning was just a pretty surreal set of circumstances to, uh, you know, ignite his first controversy here in Boston. It certainly will not be his last. No, it won't. And, you know, and, and like we said before, and you and I both both understand this, and I think a lot of our, you know, some of our listeners will too, that Boston is a very unique sports market. It just is. And there was a passionate fan bases um, bordering on, on obsessive in some ways. 
but that's just that's just the way they are there. And you know, they 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 are very serious about their sports. You know, they they demand uh, they demand a lot from from their teams, from their athletes, from their coaches and managers. And you know, they 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 want results. You know, if 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 uh, you know if the, if the guy pitching middle relief for the Red Sox in a in a nine to one game, you know, uh, struggles. You know they're going to comment on it. They're going to want something changed. That's just the way it is, and that's and that's and that's the animal that is the, the Boston sports fan, and that's that's just what that's just the way it is. So I, I think you know perhaps Bobby underestimated that a bit when he took this job. I, I agree with, with with that. I agree with a lot of that, but I think that um, you know he's just he's just going to have to negotiate his way. And you know maybe I don't expect him to tone it down, but uh, I think. You know, he has to understand that you know, it's a different you know, market than even New York. New York's a different sports market than Boston, which is different from Texas, which is different from L.A. Every every town has its own nuances and, and the way they operate and the way they watch sports, the way they view it and their opinions. And uh, just going to have to just figure out a way to make it work or else it's going to be a very, very difficult and perhaps short marriage in Boston for Bobby Dean and the Red Sox. Well, right you are, Barry. So it's certainly going to be interesting. And needless to say, since then, uh, they started off one and five. Then they won three in a row over the Tampa Bay Rays. This happens on Sunday night, Monday morning. Uh, Monday, yeah, Monday morning. <laughs> Hard to believe. Uh, they they lose uh, one nothing to the Rays, and then last night got absolutely shellacked by the Texas Rangers. Uh, Last year's American League champions and near World Series champions. Uh, the final score, of course, being 18 to 3. Six homers, I believe, they gave up. So, uh, yeah, it hasn't gone well since the controversy started, to put it mildly. And, uh, Barry, believe it or not, that brings us to the end of our one year anniversary show and uh, meaning the end of one year full. Uh, broadcasting uh, my pick for the weekend for week viewing on television of course is just non-stop Stanley Cup hockey uh, in the postseason uh, the playoffs are fabulous as we've discussed throughout this show and Barry I just want to thank you for calling in every week and all the great perspective that you've given to both myself and our listeners throughout the past year well, again, it's, a, it's, it's been fun to be a part of it, and I uh, look forward to, uh, to another 52 weeks starting uh, starting next week. So uh, it's been great, and I appreciate you having me on, and uh, it's been a lot of fun. Well, it's been our pleasure, and uh, as always, Voice America, thank you for listening to All Around Sports for the past year, and we look forward to the coming year, starting by doing it all again next Friday at 1 p.m. Eastern time when I will be broadcasting live from New York City uh, the night after the first round of the NBA dra NFL draft and just a few hours in advance of the second and third rounds of the NFL draft. Once again, thank you for listening, Voice America. Thanks again for tuning in to All Around Sports with your host, John Inglesby. Be sure to tune in again next Friday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time, 1 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Sports Channel. Have a terrific weekend, and we'll talk sports again next week.